your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Live Network and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Thomas Welch, and today we're going to be going over the Blues 3-0 loss to the Los Angeles Kings. We're going to talk a little bit about Zach Sanford, talk a little bit about Carl Gunnarsson, talk a a little bit about where this team is at right now, what sort of expectations we should have for this team moving forward, kind of an outlook to see what we can expect, what we can change come Wednesday night when we face off against the same team. But before we get into that, I do want to remind you guys that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. So hopping right into it, the Blues lost 3-0 to the Los Angeles Kings last night. Uh, very disappointing, disappointing fashion for multiple reasons. It just felt like a lot of the same from the St. Louis Blues, and not even just besides the fact of running into a hot goaltender like we have multiple times this season or running into a team that's playing fantastic hockey uh, that normally shouldn't be like we've seen multiple times this year because I believe the Kings were won their last four coming into the game. Now they're riding a five-game win streak. Could turn it into a six if we get swept in the next game, but... Similar for that reason, it's similar for the reason as well that we saw another just a terrible injury to seeing Carl Gunnarsson go down like that. I mean, uh, that looked painful beyond belief. He's expected to miss considerable time, probably a large portion of the season, if not the entire season. Uh, more of the same from the Blues in the fact that they looked gassed. Not even, well, even before that, they just looked like this. They seemed a little bit off. And then when Gunnarsson goes down, obviously you're a man down the rest of the game. So. Uh, it's going to run everybody's tank a little bit empty. Turnovers on the defensive side of the puck were a problem again. I feel like we've been talking about this every game throughout this season. It still hasn't been fixed. I have a hypothesis of why it is the way that it is currently, but you're going to have to stick around for the second segment to see what that hypothesis is. The offense for the Blues looked good in some ways, and it looked not so good in other ways. Uh, I think the bottom two lines for the Blues, I feel like, the entire season have been kind of a staple, right? It's like those those grinded out players, Oscar Sundquist, Ivan Barbashev. He's now on the injured reserve. I mean, we were talking about at the beginning of the season a guy like Sammy Blay potentially slotting in uh, a fourth line spot, and I think he was on the second line today. So Mackenzie McEachern has come in and done just an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, I think last night's game was one of his best of his career. Jacob De La Rose, kind of the same thing. Can't really say anything bad about the guy. He's just come in and been an absolute workhorse. I don't think I've seen him have a bad shift. I tweeted that out, but I I genuinely can't remember the last time I was like, what is De La Rose doing right now? Like, He's just stick battling, winning board battles. All of those guys seem like they're bringing it every single night. Kyle Clifford, same way. Austin Pagansky has done a fantastic job slotting in when we need him to. And then you've got a guy like Jordan Cairo who's been... Uh, just scalding hot at the beginning of this season. Cooled off a little bit, but he had a three-point game, I believe, in the last game. Uh, played pretty well this game in terms of offensive pressure, passing the puck around. I like him on a line with Ryan O'Reilly and David. But then you move it down, and it's like Braden Shen and Mike Hoffman are two very talented players, haven't played with each other a lot. So I feel like there's a learning curve there. That's to be expected. And then we round it out with Zach Sanford. Now, I know there's a lot of people talking about Zach Sanford online, Uh Probably not not the best ways. Uh, he didn't have the best game of his career. Uh, but I do want to remind everybody that a season ago, 
I think he had was it like a five goal game or a four goal game and just went absolutely nuts on a torrid pace um, in the middle of the season. So that's kind of he has that capability of being like a next level player, right? But unfortunately for the St. Louis Blues, I don't feel like we will see that truly blossom in his time here. And for that reason, and that reason alone, and not for a reason that like I think Zach Sanford is a terrible player or a hockey player, he'll never he'll never pan out to be anything. He's just like a waste of space. No, nothing like that. I think Zach Sanford's tr- a truly truly is a capable hockey player. Uh, he's got the size, he's got the hands, he's got the skill. Definitely has the shot. We've seen that a little bit this season as well. But I think just the way the schematic that the Blues run. There's basically three players that the Blues want on their team, right? Uh, or some kind of variation of these three players. Extremely skilled guys. We see that in Jordan Cairo and Mike Hoffman. Grinders and guys very good at winning puck battles. Very good at stick play. Everyone on the third and fourth line, like McKecker and De La Rose, Clifford, Pagansky, Oscar Sundquist. Uh, even Ryan O'Reilly to an extent, even though he's obviously a much higher tier level of that because he brings that scoring capability as well and that skill level. And then Beast, guys who's going to bring the physicality. A guy like Braden Shen, who's a heavy hitter. A guy like Sammy Blay, who's a heavy hitter. A guy like Kyle Clifford, uh, who you don't want to catch the wrong way or you're going to be dropping the gloves with him. Guys like that. I feel like if there's any player uh, who doesn't really fit into those molds, they can't really excel in the system that the Blues run. And it's just unfortunate for Zach Sanford because, in my opinion, he's pretty good at all of those things. But he's not really good at any of those things. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's kind of the reason why so often he's the odd man out in this picture. Especially when you're on a a line with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. It's a little bit easier for you, right? I mean, you've got two of the best possession guys on the team uh, holding on to it, getting you time in the offensive zone, getting you looks, getting you chances, getting you everything that you need to excel. But by that same token... When you mess up, it's blatantly obvious because Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron don't mess up very often. So You can't have a guy that makes a lot of mistakes on a line like that that can prove to be so lethal and so crucial to the ebb and flow of a game. So, like I said, I think that's why Zach Sanford is the odd man out kind of in this equation. Uh, That being said, I don't think, especially trading him right now is not the answer because I feel like Doug Armstrong, the last thing he wants to do ever uh, unless you really force his hand to trade a guy when his value is extremely low. And Zach Sanford's is not very high right now. But also going off of that, trading Zach Sanford doesn't fix this team. I know I talked about that with Vince Dunn too. Trading one player does not fix this team. I think there is one thing that can fix this team uh, and kind of get everybody to mesh, get people playing with more morale. It sounded like from the players' post-game press conferences that people are just kind of gripping the sticks a little too tight everybody's frustrated uh i do believe there is a cure for that uh, but i'm going to tell you guys coming up right after a word from our sponsors so welcome back the key to the blues success we've talked about their depth all season long, and now we're kind of really dipping into that depth and, and really milking it to its very last drop. But you got Ivan Barbashev, who's out right now. Jaden Schwartz, who is out right now with a lower body injury. Barbashev's lower body injury. Robert Thomas broke his thumb. Tyler Bozak, upper body injury. Vladimir Tarasenko's shoulder. Who knows what's going to happen there? 
and now Carl Gunnarsson. Those are some pretty big names uh, to add to the injured reserve, but I think the biggest one everyone kind of sleeps on potentially is Colton Pareko. Now, obviously, before the Blues sat him, he was playing, right? And so I think that's why a lot of people are like, oh, like it really must not be that bad. But think about coming into this season and letting Alex Petrangelo walk. Even before we got Tory Krug, you're thinking to yourself, okay, Colton Pareko is going to take over the reins as the number one defenseman. You give him the A. He's got all these expectations surrounding him. And he comes in, and for the majority of this season, he's playing through pain. And with the report saying it was a back injury, that definitely affects mobility. So whether Colton Pareko is sitting out or whether he's not producing at the level that was expected of him or that he expected of himself, that puts pressure on other areas to produce. Like a guy like Vince Dunn, who's always been one of those complimentary guys. Like a guy like Tory Krug, who is just coming into a brand new system. Like a guy like Justin Falk, who spent an entire season playing bad hockey, so I'm sure he had some confidence issues coming in. This entire group, Carl Gunnarsson, same way, complimentary guys. This, so this entire group, I feel like every group has that number one defenseman that everyone just looks to to like kind of round everyone together. And right now, as fantastic as Justin Falk has been playing, I don't know if he's made that full conversion yet in every aspect of his game. Or even if the team has made that full conversion yet of like looking to him to like rally behind. You know what I'm saying? So I think getting Colton Pareko back for this team 100% healthy is massive. The problem is we have no idea when that could be. He could be getting surgery in the middle of this season. He could be getting surgery after the season. He could not be getting surgery at all. It's kind of really up in the air. And it's strange how we don't know a lot about the situation, uh, but I do hope nothing for the best for him, and I do hope he comes back healthy as soon as possible because this team needs him, quite honestly. I feel like it's easy to forget how well he played in the playoffs because everyone kind of attributed his success to playing next to Jay Bomeister, which I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of attribution that was fair because playing with a guy like Jay Bomeister is, is a privilege in and of itself, but I, I, how many press conferences did we have a, with opposing teams where they would make comments about Colton Pareko and be like, dude, he's just a horse, he glides like out of the defensive zone, straight through the neutral zone with so much ease, and you're just hauling ass trying to catch up to him in his stride so long, you just don't get anywhere, and his reach is the same way. But if you got a back problem, that affects everything. And Colton Pareko isn't the most physical player, but you're not going to be nearly as physical if your back hurts. You can't poke check as well if your back hurts because it's using those muscles. I feel like almost the back is almost the core of everything that you use in hockey. Like, I know there's a lot of people that think he's overrated in terms of rankings of NHL defensemen, but this really was the season where he could come out and kind of prove everybody wrong because he was that number one guy and kind of thrown into that role by the St. Louis Blues because they had faith in him, and they put that faith in him uh, by letting Alex Petrangelo walk, and he essentially got that opportunity ripped right from him just because of an injury, at least for this season. But I do think that's a big reason why the Blues defense has been such a problem this year. Along with injuries, of course. I mean, Bort's going down for as long as he did doesn't help at all. Marco Scandella going out doesn't help either because then you're looking at mixings of pairings and not establishing chemistry with guys uh, in a group that's already so fresh and so new and not used to playing with each other because of the lack of Alex Petrangelo and the new addition of Tori Krug. I mean, to an extent, it almost makes sense that there's so many turnovers coming out of the defensive zone, you know? And now with a guy like Carl Gunnarsson, who's been a staple of this team for so long, been one of those guys... Almost like Oscar Sundquist throwing his body, blocking shots, doing all the small things. And like Shen said, a warrior for this team uh, goes down now and is going to miss substantial time 
after his skate slams into the boards and he falls awkwardly. It, it never looks good like that, you know what I'm saying? And I just, I almost had to turn away from the screen when I saw it. Because especially on skates, man, like that shit is just brutal to watch. So you got to think Mikola takes his spot, slots in Wednesday. But when we talk about expectations, guys, I mean, I, I was a victim of it as well. Coming into the season, I was like, Blues could probably be Stanley Cup contenders. Uh, probably combat with Colorado, with Vegas, all those guys. I mean, you look at the roster on paper and they were just stacked, loaded, almost at every position. Four lines, roll them out every single night, uh, take care of business. But in the state that the Blues are in right now, on the basis of morale, on the basis of injuries, on the basis of defense just not clicking, on the basis of the offense holding their sticks too tight, just all those things combined with the fact that the Kings have won five games straight, are having fun, hooting and hollering at practice, like Bernie Federico said, all those things, combined with the fact that the Kings were picked by a lot of analysts to be the fourth team in the playoffs out of this division, I don't think it's fair for us to expect wins every single night. I mean, you can say Jonathan Quick had a subpar 900 save percentage, but he also has a Stanley Cup or two to his name, so it's not like he's not capable of playing good hockey, you know what I'm saying? So take that into consideration, along with the fact that Vegas looks like one of the best teams in the entire NHL, much less the West Division. Uh, take that into consideration with Colorado being the superpower that they are. Uh, take that into consideration with the Arizona Coyotes absolutely having the Blues number. If you add the Kings into that, that's four teams, and then plus the Blues, that's five. So do I still think the Blues make the playoffs? I do, especially like with guys coming back periodically throughout the season and the injuries. I feel like they figure out one way or another, whether it's the fans, whether it's morale, whether it's just gripping sticks too tight, whatever it may be, I do feel like they figure out a way to make the playoffs. All I'm saying is, as we stand right now with all five of those teams jostling position and all fighting for four of those spots, I don't think it's fair to be like, oh, we should be smoking these teams every single night. They should be winning all of these games, like, especially with the amount of injuries that we have. Not because of the injuries that we have, but those added into the equation. Because hockey fans talk about teams getting hit with the injury bug every season. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's just beneficial for the Blues because it hasn't happened in a while. Really, I think since like 2000, was it 17, 2017 when Jaden Schwartz like fractured his ankle? I think that was really the last time where we got smoked pretty good, but shit happens. It's not great that it's happening in the middle of our Stanley Cup window, uh, but it is what it is. You try to roll with the punches and rely on your depth, have that next man up mentality like the Blues always preach. They've done good this season for the most part, but at the same time, all I'm saying is hedge your expectations. There's a difference between holding these players accountable and just being negative, right? Because going online and tweeting to the team or to the player and telling them, Zach Sanford's terrible, trade him, get him out of here, uh, he's garbage, he'll never be a good hockey player, all that stuff. Or I think I even saw one tweet that said Zach Sanford just got hit, hit him again. It's like shit like that that's just like, one, it looks bad on our entire fan base that we're just tearing essentially each other down. Two, players know when they fuck up, you know what I'm saying? Like, they've played hockey their entire life. It's not like they're just blind to the fact that they have good games and they don't have good games. They don't need to hear it from... Don 0765314, whose profile picture is just Garfield eating lasagna. But instead, we can break it down and be like, yeah, we lost, but in the standings, we're still near the top of the division. Now, if we go by point percentage, it gets a little more hairy, but as long as we just like hope to not 
have to deal with that, we'll be okay. And even if we do have to deal with that, it's still pretty early on in the season. There's time to make things up. There's time to adjust. There's time to get these points back. There's time to get these players back. And even if none of that resonates with you, if you want this team to do better, what did they talk about in their press conference last night? They said, we're lacking confidence. We're lacking morale. We're holding sticks too tight. Ryan O'Reilly said, we're not trusting the process. We're not making passes because we don't think that we can make them. Things like that. If that's already happening on the ice and then any of the players, because I know that there are players that do this, go on social media and search their name or just search on Blue's Twitter and see everyone just dogging them. Blues are terrible. They can't do this. They can't do that. All that does is reinforce that mindset in the players and they go play another game and the same thing happens. It's a vicious circle. And I get, guys, that like oh, Twitter's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows and you can't watch your team go out there and play terrible and be all happy, go lucky about it. But at the same time, you can also be like, I'm upset because I know that this team is capable of more instead of being like, this team is dog water, I'm not watching anymore. Like, I know a lot of people that go extreme. So for me, like it sounds weird, but we can do a minimal part in trying to help this team by spreading positivity and spreading confidence in our players, right? Because if they're not playing well and they start getting in their own head, then they can go on social media and be like, you know what, yeah, I am really good at hockey. I'm in the NHL. I'm on St. Louis Blues. We won a Stanley Cup. Fuck yeah, let's go out and take care of some business, boys. And you can make an argument, too, that like, oh, that should come from within. They're, if they're NHL caliber players getting paid millions of dollars, they should be able to do that themselves. Yeah, whatever. I like my confidence coming from within, too. But do I like hearing it from other people? And does it mean more when someone from the outside and not my own head says it to me? 100%. Now, this isn't like a call to action or anything. I'm not telling every one of my listeners to go out and be like, oh, uh, shit out rainbows and like fairy dust and unicorns and all. It's, no, I'm not I'm not trying to be like that. I'm just saying understand that everything that you say on social media has an action and a reaction and all these things can pile up and can affect players' mindsets. Like if you think Zach Sanford is going out there every night just oblivious to the fact that he is getting lambasted on Blue's Twitter on a daily basis, and if you think that the fact that that lingers in his head while he's playing makes him play better, you're absolutely wrong. Because getting shit on on social media is enough to leave a bad taste in anybody's mouth. I've been there before. But what won't leave a bad taste in your mouth is Built Bar. Because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Now they've improved the Built Bar because it is even more delicious, sir, with six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Now the best thing about Built Bars are they're healthy. They're great for any health-conscious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat because Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. So you're getting all of that So you're getting all of that bulk and none of that garbage filtered into your system. Each bar has about 15 grams of protein, about 150 calories, around 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carb. So you know you're getting that streamlined good stuff every single time. If you act right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On. you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Now, if you think the St. Louis Blues have a bounce-back game in them, come Wednesday night, uh, might be a good idea to throw some money down on it. So for that, you got to go to our friends over at BetOnline because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Because football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds 
and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and like I said, the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. So like I said, you go to the website, betonline.ag. For all your betting purposes, 50% off, 50% welcome bonus. That's free money right in your pocket on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So coming up Wednesday night, the Blues face off against the Kings once again. An old familiar foe. Hated them in the playoffs. Hate them now. <laughs> but uh, I think one of the biggest things for them adapting from a game-to-game basis, uh, you definitely got to get some more chances on goal. And obviously, they did a good job with offensive pressure. Uh, but throwing shots on net, I think I saw some stat. I forgot who tweeted it out. I think it was Jeremy Rutherford that showed the shot totals for the top two lines. And it's just got to be more. It's got to be more from those guys. Uh, who actually have the threat of scoring. Obviously, the third and fourth lines are doing a great job, cycling pucks, throwing throwing pucks on net, getting those bodies in front of the net, but they don't have the shots that our top two lines do, right? I mean, Mike Hoffman is one of the best shooters in the game. He had one shot on goal last game, and Kyle Clifford had four. So if that tells you anything about how that game went down, that pretty much tells the entire tale right there. You got to get more shots from your skill guys. You got to get goals from your skill guys. Even if Jonathan Quick is on again, you gotta find a way to solve him. Uh, by that same token, you gotta find a way to exit out of the defensive zone. And it's not just with injuries, but I feel like a lot of times when shit hits the fan with this team, uh, whether it's penalties, whether it's a call not going the right way, whether it was Carl Gunnarsson's injury uh, and then playing down the rest of the game, I feel like there's almost a mindset of like, oh shit, here we go again. And then the energy drops a little bit. I want to see them keep that energy throughout the entire time. Or even use that as something to motivate them and spike that energy even more. You know what I'm saying? Fight through that adversity. Fight through everything that's going on. What everybody's saying about this team. Uh, and just take it to these guys and punch them in the teeth. And then show every team across the NHL that the team that we saw game one that wanted to come in and say, Hey, screw you. We're Stanley Cup contenders and I'm tired of everybody talking about the avalanche. I want that same energy and I want those press conferences to be like, yeah, we don't care how everybody's hurt. We don't care how many guys go down. We're here to play some hockey, and we're here to go win a Stanley Cup. And that's exactly what we intend to do. But I think that's all the time we have for today. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Locked On Blues podcast, part of the Locked On Live Network. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. You can follow me on Twitter at 12 15. You can follow our podcast Twitter at Locked On Blues. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So make sure you check all of those out. But as always, let's go Blues.